0: right Dario so we record an episode this past weekend on Sunday and this is on Ukraine the day after Denmark announces that they are also ending Nord Stream just when we spoke about Denmark not having reported anything for months Uh, then the day after that Macron Goes berserk on Ukraine and starts arguing that NATO should send troops because otherwise Russia might attack NATO itself. And the day after that, Putin reacts, and threatens the world with nuclear holocaust. Um, not a great week for us.
1: Uh, not a great, not a great week at all. Um, I mean, it's it's been a tough week for me. I had a lot of uh, things going on at work, um, so I've been following all of these things. Um, basically right on on my train rides in the morning. Um, But before we get into it, uh, let me first of all welcome the listeners. Uh, Hello, Um, this is the Western Bubble podcast. Most of you know us. Um, If you don't know us, uh, we are Balder Hagrits and Dario Hasenstab, uh, well, a professor and his former student of international relations. We uh, examine the Western Bubble together, Um, the Western Bubble, which we describe as a concept Um, that kind of explains Western delusion, Western arrogance, Western actions in foreign policy um, on on the global stage. Uh, We've been doing this podcast for quite some time now. Uh, If you don't know who we are, listen to our introduction episode. And I would say that we we can now uh, jump right into it. Because exactly, on Sunday, we recorded an episode on the two-year anniversary of Ukraine. Uh, We published it yesterday being Wednesday, today being Thursday. And um all these developments happened since. Let's start with the first one with Denmark, right? Because on uh on Sunday we spoke about Sweden basically stopping its uh investigations into the Nord Stream bombings. And as you as you as you just mentioned, I in the episode said, Well, we haven't heard from Denmark in a while. And then exactly twenty-four hours later, Denmark says, you know what? Um we don't find anything.
0: Fortunately, it wasn't contradictory to what we said in the sense that it, sort of the tone of our conversation on Sunday was already like, "Hey, Denmark is not really going to present anything spectacular." Um, but the timing was pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> you know that it, if, if couldn't they have just announced that forty eight hours earlier? Come on, people! I mean, didn't they know that we were going to have a podcast? Oh, that's that's... <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Um, the, Dan- the Danish foreign ministry should check with us next time. Um, but then the the announcement or the statement that caught the news, um, I would say by bigger surprise, because the Denmark thing was kind of expected. I mean, I would say most people forgot that Denmark was investigating anything anyways, was um, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, um, making a statement on Ukraine that... I, I don't know. I mean, I call it a typical Macron, right? So he basically refused to rule out the possibility of putting Western or, in that sense, NATO troops on the ground in Ukraine to support the Ukrainians in the war against Russia.
0: Yeah, so, and, and this was at in Paris, where a whole bunch of European leaders had come together, including your great leader, Schultz. Um, my... Um, uh, f- leader at the moment and future NATO Secretary General Mark Rutte. Um, also, I will never get um, used to the idea of Foreign Secretary David Cameron from the from the UK because he he should have been he should have disappeared long ago after failed Prime Minister um, ship. So this was a a summit very hastily convened by. Uh, by Macron in Paris with those European leaders to talk about uh, to talk about Ukraine, and he first utters the idea of NATO actually sending ground troops to Ukraine, which is of course insanity. I Every mean, we we already talked about the insanity of creating a no fly zone over Ukraine by NATO. That already would be ridiculous, but sending ground troops is 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 an awful idea for so many reasons.
1: Uh, absolutely. Well, for me. So when I read this, particularly the headline, my first instinct was a typical Macron, right? We've heard this in the past. Uh, for example, when he called NATO brain dead, right? So this is one of these statements that he puts out to kind of get a lot of media attention, get a lot of focus on a topic and wake up in, in a sense. And then usually the all a compromise that's then struck afterwards is tilted slightly more into his favor. Um, and I've maybe it was the same here that that was his tactic at least i mean i don't know what his intention was with the state
0: to be honest i'm a little bit confused about it as well i i haven't worked on it this week i haven't
1: really been in touch with people
0: um but he must have known exactly what has happened uh, yesterday and today he must have known that his nato allies would shoot down the idea because nato might be overly aggressive and might be slightly delusional about its Position towards russia but they're not insane they understand that they cannot put boots on the ground because that would actually endanger um, the security not just of europe but the security of the whole world because that could actually lead to nuclear war with russia and of course nato doesn't want to risk that and macron must have known that so the reason for macron to Put that out there is that he wants to position himself as some kind of leader. But I just don't know what that some kind is.
1: Well, me, me neither. Um, again, to me it made, it made no sense within a strategic perspective of the West on the war in Ukraine.
0: But even a political perspective from his position within Europe. Because if you say that and a day later all your allies are saying no thank you then that's, that costs you political capital. That makes you less of a leader. That makes you less attractive as, a, as, the, as the face for European unity or, if you like, um, for, for European NATO members.
1: Well, to me, this is part of this um, German-French tango that uh, has been going on for, I would say, the last at least 12, 15 years. So it started under uh, Chancellor Merkel. Um, and various French presidents went through this, and I think Macron and Merkel were really good at this. Um, it was usually kind of Macron taking a step forward, uh, right? So we saw this with the with the um, like COVID bonds, uh, like the European monetary response to the COVID crisis. Uh, so he kind of put out a statement: Oh, we want to we want to commit X sum to saving Europe. And then everyone immediately re- responds with, no, that's unlikely, that's unlikely. And, but because that step has been taken basically forward, now the Germans kind of need to take a little step back, right? And then that tango happens and you find some form of compromise that's closer to Macron. And to be honest, here we saw the same, right? I mean, so Macron took a step forward. Scholz took a step back saying, no, um, we're not going to send ground troops to Ukraine. And now kind of they, they issued a statement saying, well, there's more support and we will actually send a bit more money.
0: Yeah, yeah, so then the the idea is that Macron puts the bar so high, impossibly high, that everyone knows he's not gonna reach. Um, but at least it it it's it pushes forward the, the agenda a bit. Maybe, but I, I would argue that Macron actually suffered reputationally because of that. And and that's the thing that I can't fathom. Because it's one thing to say hey, we should spend 100 million on Ukraine, and the Germans say, no, only 10 million, and then you get to, you know, 20 million or something like that. Okay, fine. Um th- Then you would think of Macron as slightly overly ambitious. But here he just looked foolish, and that's that seems like a price that he shouldn't be paying, uh, even if this is the tactic, if it's this one-two with Germany. Especially because he didn't even... It's not just that he said we have to send troops to Ukraine, but he said if... If things go wrong in Ukraine, then NATO is going to be list on Putin's target. Uh is is sorry. Uh, NATO is going to be next on Putin's target target list. Essentially, he suggested that Russia would actually start attacking NATO members. And I'm sorry, but every any first year student of international relations knows that that's just not going to happen.
1: Hmm. Absolutely, and uh, the reaction, right? You 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 already teased about that a little bit um, when we started the episode. Was Vladimir Putin uh, kind of addressing um, almost like a state of the union type of speech? Um, is right, so 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 Russia, but also particularly the world, because he knew the world was watching, and he warned Western countries that they are risking to provoke a nuclear war if they send troops to fight in Ukraine. Yeah, This is, by the way, not the first time that he's done something like that, right? Right
0: after the invasion of Ukraine, he also had a few statements that would go uh, that went in that direction. Like, hey, NATO, be careful, don't become too involved, because if you become too involved, we'll see you as basically the enemy. We will uh, start targeting you as well. But this was a much more explicit pronouncement. And to be honest, one that kind of makes sense as a reaction to what Macron said, right? Imagine. Um Imagine it being anything else, uh, anything in the, the other direction. Imagine that uh, Putin said we are actually going to use Russian soldiers to uh, fight a NATO member. Then NATO would away say, "The moment you do that, you're at war with us. So it, it wasn't it wasn't Putin being necessarily overly aggressive. It was just him pointing out the obvious and that's exactly the reason why NATO members know that this is a no- go.
1: Mm, absolutely. One of the things um, that caught my attention is because th- this nuclear topic has basically been off the table for, I would say, at least a year or a year and a half now. Because, I mean, there were, there were talks um, that a year and a half ago, we came pretty close to one of those nuclear misunderstandings, right? And then pretty high ranking military officials sat down from on the Russian and the United States side and basically said okay let's take let's take the nuclear talk off the table because from one day to another suddenly um all the all the nuclear nuclear words were were, were basically being taken out of everyone's public communication and this is the first time um that Putin has kind of spoken about this again obviously in response to almost uh, right i mean Macron basically yeah, he, but bringing up the nuclear threat himself, right? Because putting NATO troops on the ground, to me, is is basically the same as, as threatening um, Ru- um, Russia with a nuclear weapon.
0: But I, I wonder if this is kind of the result. I mean, you might be right, right? I, I have sympathy for your analysis um, that, that this was some kind of tactic between because we do know that Paris and Berlin like to play these games. And that there might be some kind of tactic. It also reminded me of this idea where... You know, often people in negotiations think that they should wait for the other person to to uh, start a negotiation. Like you and I want to I want to sell you a car. I have to wait for you to offer me something. But actually, if I put the price very high, then you have to adjust to my high bidding. And that's like a, a known tactic. So I have sympathy for your uh, analysis like that. Macron just said it impossibly high and, and and that at least allowed things to move forward a bit. Fine. But I also wonder if there's another element here, which is that Macron and others are actually becoming increasingly delusional about all of this. Because they've been so long beating this, these Trumps. They've been so long part of this pro-Ukraine narrative that they are losing sight of what NATO is actually doing. And... Um, there's always been a certain, um, let's say, delusion within NATO about NATO just being a force for peace and good in the world and Russia just being the the bad guys that need to be contained. But Macron used to be the person who said NATO is brain dead. You know, when was it? In 2017 or whenever he said. And it sounds now that he's gone completely in the, the in the other direction. So maybe, you know, leaders are also human beings. Maybe that he's just gone into a... Uh, into a very dark tunnel,
1: uh, into a very dark tunnel, or into the realization that he only has a few more years as president, right? That's I, I mean, for me, this is from a German perspective where there's no term limits on on the chancellor. You can you can be chancellor as long as you you are elected. It becomes easy to get a place in history, right? and i think that I, at least i've i always felt this with uh with with american presidents but i mean with french presidents right they've this turnaround as well that it might be similar right macron started his presidency um about 6 years ago right so the first one um with such high expectations and he always came short of them that i think on a foreign policy level which he has a lot more power and influence over he i don't know he might want to posi- he might wants to position himself um, basically in the history books as the savior of ukraine ultimately because for him right if joe biden can step up uh, scholz won't step up so it has to be obviously france
0: yeah no that, that's that's valid um It's it's also that would fit into this picture of the last couple of months where European leaders, as well as the United States, have started to panic a little bit about Ukraine. Um, The general public doesn't care enough anymore in in NATO countries about Ukraine to panic. But the leadership has been panicking because it's looking relatively bleak. At least it's clear that Russia is going to get gains out of this war. Whatever, you know, it seems very unlikely that Russia will be pushed back to anything pre-invasion levels, let alone Crimea or anything like that. So any negotiations in the future, as we discussed uh, in the previous episode, um, will give something to Putin. And leaders are panicked about that. Maybe Macron uh, doesn't want to go down as the leader who allowed this to happen, right? Who doesn't want to be known in the history books as the European leader that... Uh, let Ukraine down. That's 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 very possible.
1: So to kind of right bring this episode uh, to an end, but also to give some sort of an outlook. I mean, so Macron said, "Let's let's play some NATO troops in 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 Ukraine." The rest of NATO and Europe said, "No, you're crazy." Uh, Putin threatened uh, Macron with a nuclear escalation. Um, I would I'm pretty sure that now everyone is going to go back to um, not caring right so I think the European leaders are going to drop it everyone has made their statement I think Putin played it strong right but he has no interest in escalating this any further he he his interest is in continuing succeeding on the battlefield as he is as of now. Um, I would say that's it, right? Uh, that's basically all that's going to come out of this because there will not be any form of escalation that anyone needs to be seriously worried about.
0: Uh, of course not. Um, and despite how the media sometimes portrays him, Putin is not is not about to press the nuclear button and and NATO is, is very clear about this. So you're absolutely right. There, there, there's not, not going to be any further escalation in that regard. Um, I would like, I would hope as sort of ...final thoughts, if you like, on this, that um, NATO itself or people watching NATO at the moment... ...start scratching their heads a little bit and start thinking, hang on, isn't NATO here to keep us actually safe? I mean, if they have any legitimacy, it's to keep NATO members safe, militarily speaking. And the moment that we start talking about these kinds of insane ideas about NATO actually putting troops on the ground in Ukraine then NATO is no longer fulfilling the role of keeping us safe because that would actually endanger Europe, that would endanger North America. Um, And maybe that leads to a little bit of a rethink about what NATO is supposed and isn't supposed to do because now it gets eerily close to NATO becoming an ideological monster rather than just a mechanism to avoid the Soviet Union and now the Russians invading
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a great moment to end, uh, right, this little extra episode, um, just as a, as an update to our regular episode uh, from basically yesterday or two days ago. Um, if you have any questions, comments or regards, right, send them to us, particularly maybe from our French audience. Um, we, we, we know you're there, we, we love you very much. Um, maybe you have some take on uh, Emmanuel Macron. And what what his motives are right on on what is driving him thank you very much for listening uh, make sure to join us again well next week uh right when we press the western bubble um that's it for my side uh boulder there this time there's no quote uh, let's just say goodbye <laughs>